0: Hi, it's Eric Glass. Today's This American Life was broadcast back in 2002, which actually explains the premise of the show, which was to do an entire program based on the classified section of the newspaper. Now, of course, Craigslist has taken the place of a lot of this classified advertising, putting the entire newspaper business in peril. So in just seven years, this has turned into a look at what once was. Here's the show. Marilyn Tano's has been working in the classifieds for 27 years at five different newspapers, And when she reads the ads, she sees things that you and I don't. The other day she was sitting in her office at the Chicago Sun-Times with two of her colleagues and with me, flipping through the paper and telling stories. She talked about the gun ads that Timothy McVeigh used to take out in the Arizona Republic back when she worked there, long before he blew up the federal building in Oklahoma. Or there was the time that Marilyn's own mother caught a thief when some stuff that had been stolen from one of their neighbors showed up in the for-sale ads the Maryland turned the page and spotted this ad in the used car section.
1: Okay, here's an ad. Here's an ad that tells me something. Okay, I'm going to read this ad to you and I'm going to see what do you think it tells you. Okay. Volvo 92, a four-door sedan automatic mint condition in and out, 37K, Texas car, exclamation point. Properly maintained and serviced, mechanically perfect, needs nothing must see to believe, respect, and appreciate, $5,850 in the phone number.
0: She looks at the three of us like, well, isn't it obvious? Then she points at the ad.
1: This line, must see to believe, respect, and appreciate. This person doesn't want to sell this car. Someone has forced him to sell this car. It's either his wife had a baby, they have to get a minivan. I can tell he did not want to sell the car. I was upset. Respect. You must see to respect.
0: Marilyn says that when you read your newspaper, you've got the news part up front, which gives you the public life of the
1: city. You have the sports, you have the entertainment, you have politics. If you read the classifieds, it's really about individual personal lives. It's my children have grown up, do I really need the piano anymore? It's I'm really broke, I have to sell my possessions to live. I think you really get a sense of people's personal lives.
0: With that in mind, a few weeks ago, we, the staff of this radio program, took one Sunday edition of the Chicago Sun-Times and that same week's edition of the Chicago Reader, which is this weekly paper that we wanted to use because of the musicians classifieds and the personal ads that they run. And then we hit the streets, tracking down the ads. For instance, new never-worn wedding dress tulle, beaded bodice, $750 or best offer. There are several wedding dresses and a bunch of wedding rings for sale in the Chicago Sun-Times.
2: Well, I mean, the bottom line was he didn't want to marry me anymore. And I'll never get out of the dress what I put into it. I know I'm not going to get the money, but I would like it to find a good home.
0: This is the woman who's selling this old-fashioned-looking dress. Before she broke off the engagement, like in any relationship gone bad, every little thing seems symbolic.
2: I collected this classic poo, you know Disney has this line of Winnie the Pooh stuff, and he, and he bought me Mickey Mouse, and I'm like looking at it going, why did you buy this? And he said, well they, were, they didn't have classic poo, I'm like, but I don't collect Mickey Mouse, it was just, I don't know, you know me, but you don't care.
0: Same weekend, two hours after talking to her, we followed up on this ad. Agoraphobics in motion. AIM meets weekly in Lakeview East. Call for more details. Agoraphobics, you may or may not know, are people who fear going out into public, being around other people. And come Saturday at noon, when the meeting takes place, it's at a restaurant. And guess what? Only one person has the courage to show up there. Apparently, this is par for the course.
3: The nature of your fear is that you don't want to join groups, but you have to join a group to get help for the problem. So it's, <laughs> it turns into a little bit of a vicious circle.
0: Three hours later, a short drive away, there's this ad to answer. House sale featuring vintage furniture, linens, jewelry, books, postcards, and a steamer trunk. Same owner for over 80 years.
1: Okay, we're, we're trying to sell all the contents to help her pay for her nursing home.
0: Kathy Gimperly and Pam Ball are running this house sale for a woman named Frances, who's lived here since 1919 but is not present today to see strangers pick through everything that she has ever owned. She saved everything and organized her pen pal correspondences, carbon copies of letters, old birthday cards, all in plastic bags. As a librarian, she had a big collection of children's books. And she'd write in the front of her books where she bought them, under what circumstances. And not only that... She would write in a lot of these books uh, given to me by my dear brother... Well, he'd been dead for like 30 years. So she would gift herself books and then write in the piece that it was from them.
1: Uh, this is a book and uh, Francis wrote in it, from my brothers Victor and Laurie in heaven because I've always wanted this book. To Francis on Thanksgiving. And then it's dated November 21st, 1980.
0: the inscriptions in these there was a vacant spot in my heart now it's filled with a great love a love that's everlasting my love for francis her mother in this one day of classifieds are all the people trying to adopt babies and all the formerly adopted babies who are now adults looking for their parents there's a church selling off all its furniture and the death note is placed by Local 17 of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union for one of its members. There are those weird ads that say, I am not responsible for the debts of so and so. And this is a real ad Dan Erler, if your belongings are not removed from 6123 South Archer Road, they will be discarded. And there are prayers. There are lots of prayers every day in the newspaper. Well, from WBEZ Chicago, it's This American Life, distributed by Public Radio International. Today in our program, something we have never tried before, and we're not sure anybody has ever tried this before, we bring you an entire hour of stories found from one day's classifieds. We use the Chicago Sun-Times from Sunday, August 25th, and the same week's edition of the Chicago Reader. The classifieds are a public space where intensely private thoughts are being expressed all the time, much like this radio program. Stay with us. Okay, maybe this is a cheap move, but we're going to start our radio program today with the most poignant possible elements for any story. They are the lost and found column and a puppy. Here's the ad.
3: Stolen dog, black, toy poodle named Isis. Stolen 727-02 from the Armitage-Kedsey area. Call 312-719-3669.
0: The production manager for our show, Todd Bachman, who normally is not on the air but who helps us get our show on the air, wanted to get in on the action this week, and he was the one to check out this ad.
4: When I saw this ad, the thing that hooked me was the word stolen. The toy poodle wasn't lost, like most missing dogs are, but abducted. Leo, the author of this ad, was working in his garage while Isis played in the fenced yard just outside. When he came out, Isis was gone. His best guess about what happened is sort of incredible. Leo thinks Isis was taken by a puppy mill for breeding, some neighborhood kids say they saw a woman come into Leo's yard and chase Isis around and around until she finally caught the toy poodle and ran off, kind of like a scene from 101 Dalmatians.
3: So when I asked the kids, then, you know, everything hit the rotary oscillator. Uh, I don't know. What, I, I'm, I'm being a locksmith that there's a right and wrong, and what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, and, 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 and I like to keep the status quo. Okay, that's why I'm um, in the profession, uh, to help keep that status quo.
4: Leo misses Isis and says his older dog, a 13-year-old Shih Tzu named Button, misses her too. Leo had big plans for Isis.
3: What I wanted to do was mate her with Button uh, for, for puppies. Yeah, Shih Tzu and a Poodle. A shadoodle. best of both worlds, you know, the little bit of playfulness and and the ability to do certain tricks and stuff, and then the uh, calmness of of the Shih Tzu.
4: Leo had adopted ISIS only months prior to her theft, from a family who couldn't handle ISIS's incontinence. According to Leo, this family just didn't get ISIS at all.
3: They called her Amber. The dog is jet black, all black, gloss black, curly hair, you know, <laughs> except for the little red in the mustache. And um, they called her Amber. <laughs> I have no clue why anybody would call a black dog Amber. And once her face was shaved, immediately I thought of a, a black granite a statue of uh, the Egyptian goddess Isis. And uh, when I said Isis, she just perked up her ears and her and, and, and hair stood on end. You, you could just see that her, her face cocked and everything. She liked that, that word. So that was her name.
4: I spent a few hours with Leo riding around in his minivan on his quest to rescue ISIS. In addition to the classified ad Leo has in all the major daily and weekly papers in Chicago, He's flooded his local park with flyers and has even taped an large five-foot by five-foot version of it to his minivan. The flyers also offer a reward of twenty dollars. I'm a small
3: guy and and I could offer the hundred-dollar reward or something, but um, I don't want the people to think that they can just steal a dog and get get a lot of reward. I want them to realize also that the person that they stole the dog from, you know, doesn't have much. You know that that that's not wealthy just because I got a poodle doesn't mean you know, that I live in a Taj Mahal.
4: We head to the animal shelter, which brings in newly captured dogs from off the streets every seven days.
3: You be nice or nobody's going to adopt you. Now, do you think anybody's going to want to adopt those teeth?
4: After scouring the rows of cages without success, we decide to head over to a Spanish-speaking paper called La Raza to place yet another ad. Is this a
5: help wanted
3: ad? <clears throat> no, this is a had my dog stolen a while ago. I talked to you on the phone.
4: For the ad in La Raza, Leo decides to take a more creative and, um, approach. He has the man I'll at the desk the read the ad, and ad and back to, to him it. to make sure he got every okay. word. Um, stolen black toy poodle named is it Isis. Isis may have a contagious disease, lepto. Mm-hmm. Can cause liver or kidney failure in humans. Symptoms dry mouth, shaky hands, light-headed dizziness, calm, blah, blah. Desperate, after five dogless weeks, Leo has decided doctor, to put out an ad that says ISIS suffers from a dog disease, which is contagious to humans. He hopes that whoever took ISIS will see the ad and come running back for some kind of antidote.
6: So that would be twenty-five fifty. No, you guys ought
3: to feel kind of ashamed of yourselves. Everybody else gave me at least one free ad. Is that right? Yeah, because of a lost dog and stuff.
7: Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to do the
0: same thing. I'll go ahead and and uh, run the ad, if no extra charge. Okay, cool. Yeah.
7: Yeah, I, I, um, I feel for you.
4: Despite all of Leo's ingenuity and effort, the ads just don't seem to be working. Even Leo says that if you don't find your dog after the first couple of hours, it's pretty unlikely you ever will. He keeps putting ads in the paper, though. He doesn't know what else to do.
0: Well, Todd, thanks uh, for that report. Let's try one last thing. Since yeah, the ad doesn't seem to be finding Isis, we're joined in the studio here, Todd. Yes. Uh, by you and by Leo. That's me. And Button. And Button. Button is right here. Leo, over a million people are listening to us right now on the radio. So if I could just ask the people who are listening to just um, just take a moment and turn the volume up on your radios. Okay, Leo. Call the dog. Here, Isis. Isis. Come here, Isis. All right. If anybody uh, hearing our voices right now notices a black poodle barking or wagging its tail in the vicinity, what's the number to call?
3: 312-719-3669. You can turn your volume down now. It doesn't have to be so loud.
7: I married ISIS on the of May, but I could not hold on I rely.
0: Actually, no need to call that number. Back in 2002, a couple weeks after the ad appeared in the paper, Leo found Isis. Some neighbors found her barking in their backyard.
7: Well,
0: the Help Wanted section of the Sun-Times on August 25th was a thin four pages, which is a shame because if you count people these days who've given up on finding a job and people who are working part-time but want full-time work, The jobless rate in America right now is nearly 10%, according to the U.S. Labor Department. That is really high. That's the highest since the 1980s. And a lot of the people who go to the Help Wanted section of the newspaper for jobs are people on the margins of society, people who need a job to re-enter the world. Here are two of them.
8: Uh, Yes, my name is William Talposki, and I would like to set up an interview for your waiting staff. And I was... Okay, uh, oh, okay. Okay. Thank you
9: Good morning, Mr. Chatberry. How are you? Um, it's going fine. My name is Helen Bowler And I saw that you have a listing for a waitress wanted and I'm wondering can I come by today or tomorrow and do an interview? Today would be better what time
8: My name is William and I've been looking for a job for for a year. Faxing resumes, filling out applications. I usually try to fill out at least 10 a day. I'm looking at the um, Help Wanted ads. Over the past few days, I've been to McDonald's, Burger King, White Castle, Kmart, Walgreens, Chunky Cheese all over the place.
9: We are in um, Presidential Plaza and we're on our way up to the 40th floor to the Plaza Club in search of employment and now we're on the 40th floor. This is a beautiful view. This job is a banquet service job for an upscale torty club. Look like we're some snooty white folks come and drink after work. How's it
7: going?
3: Hi,
9: how are you? Good. Are you Helen? Yes, I am. Okay.
8: And what are the kind of hours that you're looking for?
9: I'm looking for either early mornings or late evenings.
8: Breakfast and lunch shift.
9: Wonderful shift.
8: Are you looking for something in, in fine dining or looking for something in catering? Fine uh, dining.
9: I always give myself a two-month span at looking for a job.
8: Do you have an experience in this? Sure I
7: have.
9: If that doesn't happen, at the end of my Dominique's 60 days, then I take whatever is available. Whatever I can find. I'm not particular anymore after the end of the 60-day run. Dominique's it's been actually about 55 days already. So I'm pretty much getting fed up. If no one has called me by Monday morning, of next week, then I'm gonna go and get whatever I can get, even if it is a car wash yeah. job.
10: Um, yeah, so at this time, I'm just taking the applications, and I'll definitely going to give you a call by Friday, okay?
9: And thank you for taking out some day's busy schedule. My pleasure. My pleasure. Been a single parent. I guess I just haven't figured out how to do it all and work at the same time. <laughs> so, periodically, when my family needs me, I will not work. And when I need to quit, I quit. I, I don't like it to be that way because it makes me look unstable. But, you know, I have to do what I have to do in order to prepare my family to go out there and do something. So their résumés never have to look like this one.
8: Uh, we're going into the Cheesecake Factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering if you're accepting uh, applications for employment.
9: You can fill it out upstairs and just give it to me after. after okay.
5: You
8: know. Thank you. My name's is Wayne. I was wondering if you're accepting applications for employment. I'm here about the job for the um, dishwasher. fill out
0: the application, and they'll call you back. Okay.
8: Oh uh, Well, we are just at the John Hancock Center for a security job, but I found out that I don't qualify because they want a blue card, meaning having a clean record, and GED or high school diploma, and I don't have either one. I'm 39. Uh, And I've been jobless for about five years. And I've been doing job search for the past year. I worked uh, 15 years in a fast food restaurant. And I was um, a gas station attendant, groundskeeper for a cemetery. And for about two years, uh, I was the short order cook. I went in went into work drunk one day and that's when I found out that I had a a real serious alcohol problem. And it took me from that time up until today to uh, to do something about the alcohol problem. It's been uh, 13 months since I had um, since I had a drink.
9: Cocaine and heroin. That was my drug of choice. Occasionally I would take a drink and In between uh, using heroin and getting sober, I gave birth to two children.
8: I have this friend of mine. He prefers living out on the street, no money or nothing. That's what he choose, you know, for that to be his life. And I, I was going down that road myself.
9: I had been what they called a kept woman. I always met men that wanted to take care of me. So a job wasn't important. I I was young, and I wasn't thinking about tomorrow or I have no 401k plan, I have no OH and retirement money. You know, I wasn't thinking about all that stuff. Because when you're 18, you think you're gonna live forever. I think turning 40 made a big difference in how I want to do things from now on. Then being a grandmother just really blew me out of the water. Whoa! And I've gained more respect for authority figures, so it'll be easier working now because I've accepted the fact that I do need a job. So that calls for me to kind of humble myself now where I wasn't early on in
8: life. When I was growing up, Um, My mother always told me that little things mean a lot. That's why I get myself up in the morning, get myself out of the house to fill out the applications, get the newspaper, fax out resumes. I wish I could answer, um, you know, what's taking me so long on, on getting a job.
0: William and Helen talked with Joe Richmond of Radio Diaries. He put together their stories and thanks Strive, an employment service here in Chicago. Coming up, John Langford of the Mekons and the Waco Brothers tries to find out whether it is possible to create a workable band from the newspaper ads in just one day. That's from Chicago Public Radio and Public Radio International in a minute when our program continues. It's American life from Hourglass. If you're just tuning in, all this hour, we're bringing you stories that we got from the classified ads that appeared on just one day, August 25th in the Chicago Sun-Times and in the Chicago Reader that same week. You know, often with the classifieds, you'll come across an ad where somebody is looking for something, and then practically right alongside that ad, there is somebody else who is offering the very thing that that person is seeking. You've seen this? This seems to be especially true in the musician's classifieds. You'll see guitarist looking for drummer, and then right there you'll see drummer looking for guitarist, right on the same page. It's kind of heartbreaking, really. So we got to thinking, what if somebody were to play matchmaker for all of those people and do what all of us think when we see those ads? Well, our producer Starley Kind recruited John Langford of the Mekons to do just that, to go through the classifieds and create a band, a band culled entirely from the classifieds, to play together for exactly one day, long enough to gather together in a recording studio to record their one and only song. Starlee?
11: Johns never had a turn to the classifieds for bandmates. His band, the Three Johns, were such close friends that all three of them slept in the same bed while on tour. His country punk band, the Waker Brothers, was started at a club one night as a way to get free beer. And the Meekons, who had been together for 25 years, is mostly people he went to school with in Leeds.
12: We haven't never really decided to form a band, they've just kind of like appeared. It's like you'd be sitting around in the pub and say, well we need to be in a band, you know. Everybody else is in a band, why don't we have one? So, and it's been people pretty close to yourself and pretty, with similar tastes.
11: We chose seven different musicians. The only thing they had in common was that no two of them would have played together under any other imaginable circumstance. Add number one. Indie rock bassist and drummer available with practice, bass, in suburbs. Influences include Shellac, Vigazi, Mogwai, and Blonde Redhead. Contact Ben. This is from their demo.
7: The death of success! Death of success!
11: Add number two. Smooth, sultry, soulful female vocalist seeks jazz musicians for band.
2: Along
13: a mountain pass, there is a patch of grass. Where the swinging shepherd plays his to Add three,
11: an acid-funk percussionist named Steve. Add four, an electric violinist named Nathan. He's working on a rock opera about a conspiracy theory and a at present that's all he's at liberty to say about it. Add five, experienced contemporary Christian worship leader musician plays guitar, available for Bible studies and larger small church situations.
7: Shall
11: Ad number six wasn't like the other ads in the musician classifieds. It caught her eyes immediately.
12: Theremin effects and song player wants an audition to amaze you. I pl- also play an incredible musical solo. We've got to go and meet this guy.
11: We're going. We're there.
12: i tell you what, there's not much amazes me anymore. That <laughs> sounds terribly cynical, but i really, I'm desperate to be amazed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
11: The theremin, of course, is the only instrument in the world that you play without touching. You just wave your hand through the air above it, which alters the electromagnetic field. Somehow, this produces a sound like a flying saucer in an old episode of The Twilight Zone. We ring his doorbell. Hello.
5: Hello,
12: Eric. It's John and
11: Starley. OK. Eric Muller, the theremin player, turns out to be a retired factory worker who lives in one of those overstuffed apartments where every corner is filled with tchotchkes and souvenirs from all over the world. In other words, pretty much exactly where you'd imagine a theremin player living. How are you? Okay, how are you? There are pictures of his wife and family everywhere and it's the only apartment I've ever seen with a hand-painted mural that covers an entire wall and features both a waterfall and a volcano. Wow. Wow. We head into a little room in the back of the apartment and he flips on a theremin, a thin black box which looks no cooler than a clock radio.
7: Uh, would you like something classical or would you like something
6: contemporary? What would you like to have? How
7: about Danny Boy? You like? Yeah.
6: yeah. Do you like that song? Yeah.
11: He pops a floppy disk into a keyboard for that accompaniment and positions himself in front of the theremin. Eric's a 60-something-year-old man in a royal blue tank top and matching blue gym shorts. He's warm and grandfatherly. If he had reached down and pulled a Who's Got Your Nose on me, I would have been ready for it. But when he sits down in front of his theremin, everything changes. This look comes over his face, a mixture of utter calm and complete confidence. His factory worker hands glide through the air. It's graceful, with a perfect economy of motion. I turn to John, and his mouth is open.
12: We were going to ask you to amaze us. You did. You just did. I know, it's great. You you speak the truth. I'm amazed. I told you, I'm amazed. I came here. I was going to say, I was going to ring your doorbell and go, Eric, amaze me. (laughs) But then you wouldn't let me in.
11: Before we arrived, we hadn't understood that when Eric says in his ad, let me grant you an audition to amaze you, he literally means exactly that. He brings people to his home, plays for them, amazes them as promised, and then never ever joins anyone's band. It's just not what he's looking for.
7: To be just a part
8: of a, a big group, um, I don't know if I could be happy in that kind of a situation. Have always played the solo.
11: Nonetheless, he agrees to sign up for our band. Later, back at John's house, the difficulty of what we're going to do starts to sink in. What song could unite an acid-funk congo player, a sultry jazz singer, two indie rockers, a Christian guitarist, an electric violinist, and an amazing theremin player? What one composer could shoulder the burden?
12: I don't know why I keep thinking Elton John. Maybe we should do an Elton John song, because everybody likes Elton John, don't they? Even I like Elton John sometimes. There's certain Elton John songs I love. I like Rocket Man. I think that's a brilliant song. I think it's gonna be a long, long time since touchdown brings me down again to find. I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, 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 I'm a rocket man. Yeah, I mean, maybe Rocketman, you could have the space. We could have space effects in it. You know the theremin? No, we do rocket Man. Let's ask them if they do rocket Man. How are you doing? Nice to meet you, That's Sam playing guitar. That's Eric with the theremin.
11: The big day arrives. One by one, members of our one-day band show up at the studio, where John recorded most of his own albums. Eric, the theremin player, brings his wife. And just like in any situation, the clicks immediately form. The rhythm section hits it off immediately. They make musician jokes, like changing the time signature from a 4-4 to a 6-8 that crack each other up.
12: you met the rhythm, guys?
11: Every band has a guy who's a quiet lone wolf, and in this band it's the electric violinist. He's off in the corner practicing his violin and not talking to anyone. When I ask how he's doing, he tells me he can't hear himself through his headphones. And then, he utters the last sentence you hope to hear when you're throwing a group of strangers together in a band.
3: I'm in anger management, actually.
11: He proceeds to scare me with stories of other recording sessions he's been in.
14: Well, it was the same situation, I was in a studio like this, and I couldn't hear myself very well, so... I took the violin by the neck, um, right here, and I basically just, you know, I took it like a, I don't know, like a, like an axe, and just went bam, and it just, every pieces went flying everywhere. And you've done this twice, actually.
11: Twice. Yeah.
14: So, uh, we're working on that.
11: Musicians jammed together a little. The singer Karen had told me on the phone that she hadn't played in public much and felt sort of shy about the whole thing. But there's something about the dynamic of being the singer in front of six musicians. That as soon as she gets up there, she seems to change, take charge.
7: Meow. And the band
11: to her. Indie rocker shift to jazz. One was the papa bear,
10: one was the mama bear.
11: Maybe ten minutes of this. They know each other well enough to play through Rocket Man for the first time.
12: I right, do you want to give a count? You want to go? Yeah. One, two, three. two. She packed my bags
9: last night. brief flight.
13: Zero hour. Nine a.m. And I'm gonna be high. By them. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife.
11: And suddenly they're a band. The guitarist and singer come together immediately, matching each other note for note. The rhythm section joins in shortly after, one perfectly fused unit. The electric violinist jumps in next, followed by the theremin player right on cue. John's standing in the middle of the room, waiting to step in, but there's nothing for him to even do. And sure, this isn't a real band. And after today, they'll never play together again. And I know it's just a cover of Band. But everyone in the room seemed to be feeling the same, all light and giddy and sentimental and corny. It came together so easily, like they'd been a band for years. From that point on, everything just sort of falls into place. John takes the musicians in separately to play their parts. The rest of the band eats pizza and zones out, like a real recording session. When it's Derek's turn to go in, his wife straightens his shirt collar and gently touches his cheek. The angry violinist goes in with him, and the two of them playing together turns out to be the highlight of the whole session.
7: And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Till Touchdown brings me round again to
6: find not the man they think I am at home, no, 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 no. I'm a rocket man,
4: rocket
7: man, burning
10: out a fuse of hair alone.
12: Eric, that sounds great. great. I've got a request though. Could you do the classic 1950s flying saucer effect at just about 20 seconds from the end? Sure can. That could, like, lead us out? Sure. That was excellent. Yeah.
11: Fantastic. Afterwards, John and I go to his house and put on a CD for his wife. He can't get over how easy it was. His recording sessions never go this fast.
12: Oh, I thought we wouldn't get through it for hours. And there might be some, you know, arguments and people might think that some people weren't playing, you know, well enough or maybe it means that pe- people who put the Actually, taking out a classified ad implies some sort of like skill or confidence or desire to go in there prepared and ready to sort of show off your stuff. you know maybe it's like when you have bands with who are just all friends, then you can have people who you know can't really play that well sure. or <laughs> 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 that might be the st- you know maybe I don't know. And it's kind of, that was kind of refreshing in a funny sort of way to think I could go in a studio, you know, just with a bunch of people who'd never met each other before and make something that was, you know, nothing to be ashamed of.
11: Before we formed the band, John said there wasn't enough amazement in his life. But since then, he hasn't ceased to be amazed by all the lucky accidents and connections that came out of the classifieds.
12: I didn't tell you about the taxi driver. You know, I got the taxi driver today. I like get in the taxi, goes like, okay so which way do you want me to go which way you will be the commander in chief and uh, i am just your lackey i'm just your flunky i'll take you whichever way you want to go and i'm like okay now i don't want to be the commander in chief you be the commander in chief <laughs> and so may i ask you what you do sir and i'm like i'm you know i'm a musician he's gone like, i too like to play you know an instrument and he whips out this <laughs> huge flute he gets to the traffic lights yeah, and see, he gets the traffic light. He starts playing. Tell me what do you think of this? And he starts blowing. He starts blowing his flute and he's playing the flute and I was like, Oh my god, I'm just going to record a bunch of people who are like never met each other. I gotta just what am I gonna do? Just is he's just like joined the band or something, you know. So he stops at the next light, he goes like let me try you in the higher register <laughs> so he's like, I'm like I gotta got him and Eric together. It would have been like oh. But then I said like you know what? I'm doing today, I'm going to a studio. To record a lot of musicians who've never met and you could I could sneak you in if you've got like a couple of hours free and you want to come in. But I said, What are the chances that I'd be doing that? And somebody would start playing music to me in my taxi driver and he went like, Are you all familiar with the writings of Jung? And he just pulls it up and just says, Look, synchronicity. That's what Jung talked about, synchronicity. And that's why he was my taxi ride to the studio. And it was perfectly didn't seem odd to him at all. But he couldn't come in, he was very busy. (laughs) <laughs> but he gave me his phone number.
0: Well, the members of our one-day band, Eric Muller, Nathan Swanson, Steve Ordauer, Kirk Markarian, Ben Mazza, Sam Cortese, and singer Karen Cassidy, John Langford's latest solo release is called Gold Brick.
13: ain't the
4: kind of place to raise your kids. In fact, it's cold as hell, and there's no one there to raise them, if
0: you did Visit our website, thisamericanlife.org, to download your own full copy of Rocketman, this version of Rocket Man. I don't it's hard not to feel voyeuristic when you read the personal ads there in the classifieds. People's hearts are right there on the page. Our producer, Jonathan Goldstein, decided to look into one enigmatic personal ad that we saw in the paper. It read,
6: Choice. I don't want another housekeeper. Ken. Explain it. Well, it's, it's about uh, a woman that I was going out with that uh, I lost. Uh, she broke contact with me after we going out for approximately three or four months. There isn't uh, a, a great deal to tell Enjoyed food, drink, music the typical things that uh, people do um, she was just a, a tremendous influence in my life
10: so wait about the um, about the house cleaning thing can you explain that when you mention I don't want another housekeeper what what is what is that what does that allude to?
6: Uh, I wasn't really looking for someone else.
10: did she call herself your housekeeper?
6: No, no, it was a uh, a joke between me and her. I don't know how well taken it was.
10: Explain her departure though.
6: It it was uh brutally sudden. Um I found out uh what she did for a living. Which is something that uh you know, it was part of her mystique as I was going out with her. Uh, Some allusions were made to uh, being something like a secretary. uh, And it it was something that that I probably should have uh, uh, tried to make more sense out of. And I I found out that uh, she was a uh, sexual surrogate.
10: How how do you mean? What is that? She performed sexually for for another person?
6: I, I assume that's what it is.
10: So when you found out about this was that when you when you ended things with Joyce?
6: Well, I didn't really end things. Uh-huh. Uh I gave her a call. And uh she said to me this changes everything, doesn't it? And I I was kind of caught off guard. I I didn't know exactly what to say. So I just said that uh you know like everything else it it changes everything and it changes nothing. We're still who we are. Um uh, but before I had a chance to say anything else, she said she didn't want me to call her again.
10: So the next time, the next time that you called her...
6: That number was no longer functioning with her behind it.
10: So how hopeful were you when you put the ad in the paper that, you, that she would actually somehow see it?
6: It's just a shot in the dark. Just uh, an absolute shot in the dark. There's a, a, a Chinese poem. Uh, I, I forget uh, who, who the poet was, but it it's uh, real simple and short. And see if I can quote it correctly. I'm struck by the lightning of seeing you after you're gone. It's um, after you're with someone. Sometimes their presence, as you remember it, can be as startling as lightning.
0: One of the things that the people at the Sun-Times said to me was that a lot of the classified section is really for people in transition, ditching an old life or starting a new life whether they want to or not. And, of course, in the for-sale section of the paper, people go to the classifieds to start a new life by buying the cast-offs of somebody else's old life. And they end up with stuff that's heavy with history, but it's not their history. Jay Allison has been making his life over from scratch recently, buying other people's stuff from garage sales, from eBay, from the classifieds. As part of the project, he polled his own kids about what to buy, and as you'll he- hear, they were only <laughs> intermittently helpful. Uh, and he made some phone calls to the Times classified ads. What do you hate? Do you hate the house or what it stands for?
13: Both.
14: What's wrong with the house?
13: Dad. I don't know, look at it. It's tiny and small and and like falling apart. Like uh, I wouldn't want to live here even if we had to live here like if you and mom are still married. Like I still wouldn't want to live here.
14: This house isn't falling apart.
13: It's it just- is though, and the basement smells. And it probably has mice.
14: After the separation, there was no choice but to get my own place. And I had to put things in it. I was going to be living by myself, and it had been about 25 years since I'd had to think much about what items I need or want in a house. So a few months ago, I got my little place close to the old one and began setting it up for myself and for my three kids whenever they're here. First, I got rid of things, things with too many small parts and all the broken things I'd been meaning to fix. I brought the things that were emphatically mine, like my old motorcycle, my old guitars. I brought the cockatiel and the python. Then I had to outfit the place. I kept a list. I got a cookbook, a grill, and bowls. I didn't know how much I liked bowls. They contain chaos. And house plants. I'd never had them before. I wanted them now. And I asked the kids what they thought we needed in a home. Do you think this house is homey?
2: Yeah, it's cozy. Yeah? Yeah. Does yeah.
14: it Does it have everything you need?
2: Not everything. Like, you can never have everything you need.
14: We got stuff to cook with so we can eat. It's got clothes.
2: Uh, clothes. Yeah, clothes are required. Yeah. Food is good. Uh, a bed. Everyone needs a bed. TV isn't required. I mean, I admit that I do watch TV, but I read, too. Um, I like to... Go outside. I love going outside. Um, I like to climb trees. I like jumping around. I like squirt guns.
14: What else do I need to get for this house to make it uh, any homier, though?
13: I think it's pretty good, Dad. I like the way it is.
14: You don't think I need to get anything else?
13: A dog. Oh, I
2: want a dog. I ain't too A German shepherd would be good because they're good with kids and easy to train.
14: If I were to call up people who had dogs for sale, what should I ask them?
2: What The dog's record of biting people is.
14: Hello? Uh, hi there. Uh, I'm calling about the German shepherds in the paper.
15: Oh yes, I do have a uh, German Shepherd puppies, but what I have left is one female. Uh-huh. And that is all I have left. Yeah.
14: Uh, all right, so here here are my questions. My the first dog my kids said they wanted was a German Shepherd. Do you have a lot of experience raising German Shepherds?
15: Uh yeah, but not around kids really. No. No, not around kids.
14: What do you think about them around kids?
15: Uh well, they should be good because uh well when I was small I had one. He was always not. But you know what happened the other day? No, what? Uh, Look, I was, I was a normal person. I'm, I'm like normal, right? Yeah. And then like in August, but like uh, three weeks ago, I got like a, I made like a makeover and uh, I changed my hair color. I put on perfume. I never put on perfume. And I changed everything, my clothes. And there's this one dog, one of the German Shepherds, and she's like a real mean bitch. And um, I hadn't been there in two weeks until last week. And then I went in third to the yard. You know what she did to me? No. She bit me. <laughs>
14: What do you mean you had a makeover? You mean you changed the way you looked? I mean now yeah, I now I'm I was curious. Like a little
15: bit depressed and everything, so I changed everything. I changed my clothes. I changed everything, and I started going to the gym and everything, and I lost like ten pounds and I don't know in a month, and I don't know I must have looked totally different for her.
14: That's funny. I mean one of the reasons I'm looking for a dog is my life has changed a lot too. I've uh, my marriage is broken up and I'm living by myself and the kids are there a lot, but. I'm thinking about getting a dog to make it more homey.
15: Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, they would be great about around them.
14: What was your German Shepherd like when you were a little kid?
15: Oh, she was like super nice. I mean, she was nice. She slept in my room. And she slept on my bed also. <laughs> yeah, because um, I was like very lonely. Since I'm a very, I don't talk to a lot of people.
14: Uh-huh.
15: I'm more of a lonesome person. I, I don't know, I just, I slept with her, and I talked to her. (laughs) I've never told anybody, but, yeah, I have. When I was sleeping, I I used to hug her and everything, and she was like like my older sister.
14: (laughs) Uh, were, Were your mom and dad together?
15: They've always been together, but my dad, like, he's like this. He's not mean. He's not mean, but he has this way of being. He never talks to us. He never hugs us or does us things. So, so I was really with
14: a uh, dog. Do you think you'll always have a dog?
15: Yeah. I think I need a little friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
14: What would you like a dog to be like?
2: Um, playfulness, uh, curly, soft, and stuff like that.
14: What kind of dog do you think I should call about?
13: One that stays small. I don't want a big one. Like what? I don't know. No, one of, like, the little ones that, like, Britney Spears has and Mariah Carey has. They're, like, this big, and they're so cute.
14: And that means you can carry them around with them like little babies? Is that the idea? Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to do that.
13: Well, I don't want a big one that, like, ugh.
14: How about a beagle? What do you think of beagles?
13: I love beagles. <laughs> I love them. Oh, I want a beagle.
5: <gasps> Hello?
14: Uh, hi there, I'm calling about your beagle puppies.
5: Sure, what would you like to know?
14: Are they pretty friendly?
5: Oh, they're lovable. Yeah? Yeah. They're very friendly, they're very lovable. Okay, they demand love, Okay. And demand passion, you know, from from the owner.
14: You know. How do they demand it?
5: By by following you around, wanting to hug on you, and wanting to jump up on you.
14: Do you think a dog can love you?
5: Oh yes. I've got a dog that's a poodle. Okay, that's particularly mine. Uh huh. And I have a bad heart. Okay. And every time that I go in the hospital, she's lost. She'll she'll sit and scratch at every door in the house. She'll go to the window and scratch. She'll sit and, and look for me every every place in the house. If I'm in bed, okay, she'll stay in bed with me until I get up to make sure that I'm getting up. If I lay back down in bed, she'll get back in bed.
14: So she just sticks with you.
5: Yeah. We're, we love our dogs, you know. Yeah, I need a heart. Okay?
14: It's down to that. Oh, yeah. Are you on a waiting list? Nope. How's that going to work then?
5: Well, you live your life as you can. Maybe i come back as a dog. <laughs>
13: <laughs> I think you should get one. Why? Because then when we're not here, you'll have someone to keep you company. And someone to take care of when we're not here
14: you think I'm lonely?
13: I'm sure sometimes you get lonely. Everyone gets lonely sometimes.
15: <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> it's
14: 4 AM, I'm in the bedroom. A dog explains those extraneous noises of an empty house. It breathes the same air with you. It needs an occasional conversation, a hand on the back, more so than a cockatiel or a python anyway. It stays with you, even in the middle of the night, at 4 a.m., when you've woken with a harsh taste in your mouth, and you're writing on a yellow legal pad in the dim light, and only the crickets and the wind outside... Like now. The only pets I have now, and one of them is, uh, I, I have three kids. They're 5, 10, and 15. Oh. And um, we have a snake that belongs to my son who's 10. And we, and, and we have a cockatiel. But a dog would be a big jump from a snake and a bird.
7: Yeah. But you get a lot more affection from a dog than you would a bird and a, and a snake.
14: That's right. That's right. And I think, you know, I think sometimes my kids worry that I'm lonely in the house by myself. I think they'd like me to have a dog because they would think that it would keep me company.
7: Oh, I'm sure. They're always waiting for you. They're always happy to see you no matter what happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, I lived with a man that beat me and held a gun on me and I'd go to bed at night and wonder if I was going to if that was the night, was going to be my last night on earth, and mm. you know, and uh, I, I don't know, I I just I I just have such peace and happiness with the dogs that, and to to spend the day, I said, if the Lord, if I knew the last the uh, last day I had on earth, I would just want to be totally away from human beings and just let me brush my dogs and and clean my dogs, and I enjoy grooming those dogs, I can totally get lost. I mean, just give me a dog a brush and a table and forget you know me.
14: So we haven't decided on a dog yet. I'm dropping by the pound just to see. Really, the fellowship of looking for a dog seems to help. Everybody in their lives has holes to fill, and they're even willing to talk about it when you are. And that's good for now. The kids and I have plenty of time to get a dog. By the way, here's the rest of the list of things I put in this house. Electric fans, a gas stove with visible flame for heat, New pictures of the kids, in frames. Lots of old kerosene lanterns. Good for parties, good for storms. One thing I went nuts buying was uh, old kerosene lanterns. What do you think of yeah, that?
13: no kidding. I think it's cheesy.
14: Cheesy? Why?
13: Because you have one leg hanging from every tree in the backyard.
14: Do you think it's cozy?
13: No, I don't. Sometimes. You just have a special like soft spot for them, because you had them when you were living in West Virginia.
14: I've started a collection of rocks, taken from places we visit, and kitchen knives, old carbon steel ones. Scooters and helmets, a camera.
13: Photograph us. Daddy.
14: Mm-hmm.
13: Here we are. Take a picture. We look cut. cute.
14: Walkie-talkies, colorful flannel sheets for the kids, and a gun. And the first thing, the first thing I got when I moved in was rugs to soften everything, to mute the empty sound. Rugs on the floor of my house when I moved in so I could circle three times and lie down like a dog. Is there anything else I should get for this house to make it seem homier?
13: Wall to wall, carpeting
14: wall-to-wall carpeting in this old house
13: yeah it'll be so much cozier in this house if you had wall-to-wall carpeting
14: but when i first moved
0: in here do you remember how many rugs i got
13: yeah but rug Mm schmug
0: jay allison he never did get that dog for the kids they are now 12 17 and 21 though jay recently remarried and last month he and his wife had an incredibly cute son His radio story got support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting for the Open Studio Project. You can hear more of Jay's work at transom.org. Special thanks today to Agoraphone for music help. This American Life is distributed by Public Radio International, our website, www.thisamericanlife.org, where you can download an MP3 of the One Day Band playing Rocket Man. Support for This American Life is provided by Kashi. Tips on healthy snacking, creating a green kitchen, natural recipes, and more at Kashi.com. Kashi, seven whole grains on a mission. By The Economist, covering news and ideas from around the world and the connections between them. The Economist on newsstands and bookstores and at economist.com. And by Mini, with the 37 miles per gallon Mini Cooper with go-kart handling. Learn more at miniusa.com slash info. Easy management oversight for our show by our boss, Mr. Tori Malatia, who says there is no reason to worry about his attitude anymore. Really? I'm in anger management, actually. <laughs> I'm Hourglass. Glass. Back next week with more stories of This American Life. PRI Public Radio
8: International.